0: Hey guys, welcome to the Hobby Heroes episode number 34. I am joined by a previous co-host, Ryan. Ryan, how the hell are you? Yeah, not too bad, Joe. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. What you been up to? Not much. Um,
1: I mean, just the whole life thing as far as hobby goes. Did a little bit of painting. uh, Painted up two troops of Iron Guard, and so when their powers combine, that will make a regiment of Iron Guard. And then just some other games. I got into the L5R card game. We've done a little bit of KeyForge, and then just random other games here and there that we've played.
0: Right on, right on. Well, it's good. Still plugging away on the dwarves then.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's about the only thing that I'm plugging away on as far as painting. Well,
0: as long as you got some kind of hobby in there, I guess it's still a win, right?
1: Right, exactly.
0: So we have uh, you back on the show because... You kind of stepped away when we sort of put Kings of War on the back burner and everything, which is okay. But there is something that came out uh, right at the end of 2018 that was super exciting for Kings of War, and that is the Clash 2019 pack. And one of the things that excited us the most about this pack is Mantic finally came up with rules for Siege.
1: For sure. That was a long time coming. I love me some Siege.
0: You betcha. I mean, I know... I'm not sure I know a single player that used to play warhammer that doesn't have a castle sitting somewhere in their basement i got one i know you got one dave's got one chuck's got one i mean we all have a castle and gods i don't think we've used them in probably 10 years at least
1: at least and it's not even just own castles i mean anytime anyone gets into any fantasy game one of the first things they want to do is a siege no you know, just have that castle and you know just do it and so now we finally got rules for it and it just takes you back
0: yeah no kidding it's and it's it's pretty good rule set so what we're going to do with this episode is ryan and i are going to go over the basic rules of siege we're going to kind of talk about how it's played and then we played a game which is on our youtube channel right now we did a little battle report and recapped it after every turn Uh, we strongly encourage you to go check that out on the youtube channel subscribe to us uh, and and watch that but we are going to talk about it at the end of this as well so let's get started on the Siege rules. And the first rule that we're going to discuss is point size. So in the book, Clash of Kings 2019, they recommend a point size of 2,000 points. Pretty stat average game, really. Um, the attacker can spend an extra 25% of their total points value on Siege equipment specifically. So for a 2,000 point game, I'd have a 2,500. Uh, in the case of, you know, if you're talking about our game, we played this exactly out the book. Uh, I had 2,500 points, 500 extra above 2,000 with just Siege equipment. Now the Defender has 2,000 points, and he can choose up to 500 points of defensive Siege equipment. But it's not extra. That comes out of his 2,000 points. So the attacker is obviously up. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the way Siege games have always worked historically in pretty much any game system. Just, you know, the attacker has to have more guys or there's no way they're going to get through them castles. For sure.
1: Defender's benefit is the castle. Yeah. That's that's what they get to, to even it
0: up. Pretty much. Uh, so you want to talk about deployment?
1: Yeah, it's a little funky. Um, so the not only does the defender get the castle, but they also get like a little 10-inch strip on the sides of the castle as well. And so the attacker just has to go 24 inches away from that line or the castle. Now, the castle pretty standard deployment of a box you know one it's on the table edge goes out one wall there's a tower connects with a wall with a gate another tower comes back to the table edge so pretty pretty standard castle but with the the 10 inches in kind of makes a little bubble uh, instead of a straight line for the attacker's deployment
0: yeah it's it's pretty weird having to be 24 inches like you said you got that bubble so uh, it's kind of like there's a rhombus in the middle of the attacker's deployment zone. But I I
1: thought it worked out well. I mean, I didn't have any problems with the
0: deployment. Yeah, no, me neither. Now, they suggest, of course, not having a ton of terrain uh, on the table. They don't want you to have anything. Uh, I think it was... The castle needs to be in the middle of the board. It says three to five extra pieces of terrain in a siege battle, but nothing could be within 12 inches of the castle walls. And the way that... Kings of War works. I mean, that just seemed... If you put three to five decent-sized pieces out there, you're really going to block this thing up. So in the game we played, it was pretty wide open. Uh, There was a couple of hills, a forest, some fences, but we left a pretty good uh, open area for us to move across.
1: Yeah, there were some obstacles, but most of the line of sight was still there for everything. Definitely.
0: So looking at castle movement, they had to add movement rules for... Uh, essentially buildings. So anybody who played Warhammer 8th Edition, you know, there was funky rules about how you can get into a building. And Kings of War never really used buildings. Buildings were always just kind of impassable. At least It just
1: complicates things when you start going in and out of buildings.
0: Yeah, it 100% does. But for Siege, they basically had to put something in there for it. And the way they did it is basically you spend your turn to move up to contact of something, uh, a castle wall or a castle tower, and then your next turn you spend your entire movement basically to move onto that section of the castle. Uh, once you're on a section of the castle, you can spend an entire movement to move from one section to an adjoining section. So from a wall to a tower, or a tower to a wall, or I guess if your castle was built differently, maybe a wall to a wall. Uh, And that's pretty much it Well, Sorry, And you can also come down from the wall of the tower Into the courtyard So that's kind of how movement is taken care of Inside of the castle
1: Um, Yeah, and I I thought It's pretty bare bones It's just, you get in, you get out You don't have to worry about windows for line of sight You're just either on top of it, you're in it You get the line of sight So I thought they nailed it On how to do that and still keep it simple
0: Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree only one unit can occupy any piece of a castle. So, of course, if you're using the base scenario out of the book, you've got three walls, you got your two side walls and your gate wall, and then you have two towers. So a total of five basically castle sections to be... So you could have five units on the castles. Now, any uh, unit that is on a wall or a tower automatically gets cover to everything on them. And if you're on the tower, something that's of note is that you... If you're a shooting unit, you have 360 degree line of sight, so you can shoot in any direction you want. So the towers are pretty uh, key for shooting units, which, hey, that's not really a big shock, you know. That's why trebuchets and things often ended up on top of Castle Towers.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I That came pretty handy. Um, I was using it to shoot out an organ gun different directions and, again, didn't see any issues with it. I thought it worked out well.
0: I agree. You want to take us through some basics on attacking the castle?
1: Certainly do attacking the castle. So you can attack the gate or the actual walls themselves. So each of them have a a height, a defense, and then nerve value. So, for example, a wall is a height height 5 with defense 7 and 18 to 20 nerve. So when you go to attack it, you can only attack the wall unless you have some siege equipment to get you on top of it, which we'll go into at a, a later time here. So you just go into it, you attack it, and you just roll as normal. I mean, there's really nothing different about it. You just got to hit that defense seven, which is pretty tough. Um, and then you got to break that nerve. I mean, wh- I guess I'm not really doing it much justice here, Joe. What would you add into it? It's pretty straightforward.
0: It is. Uh, the only thing that I think needs to be added is regular infantrymen can't actually hurt the wall. Um, specifically, the rules say to to fight the wall itself, you have to either be a monster large infantry, or large cavalry. So basically, if you're not at least ogre-sized, you're not actually going to do anything effective to the wall. That's a big point that
1: I missed. Thanks for clearing that yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so then uh, next we got the towers. Now, they don't actually have stats, but and you cannot attack them. However, if you bring down both walls, basically the adjoining walls, then the tower automatically collapses as well.
0: And everything on it did.
1: Absolutely. No rolls, no nothing. It's just dead. The other thing I guess that we should add is that, as well as just normal melee, if you are capable of doing it, if you're a right type unit, you can also shoot the wall uh, as normal, but you cannot use spell effects on it. So your, your fireball is just going to bounce off of it. It's not going to do anything. Yep. Which isn't bad. I mean, it's fire and lightning and stone, so... Take it for what it is. We said earlier that you have to be a certain type of unit to actually damage the wall. Uh, now, if you're height four, you can actually attack units that are on top of the wall. Um, you don't need any sort of siege of equipment. You're just tall enough to get up there and get the job done, but you do count as hindered. And then, same thing for what was it, flying units can also get up there and obviously attack them yep. without the siege equipment as well.
0: Which is kind of a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, and it makes sense. Like a dragon's not going to care that you're up on a wall; it's just going to come up there and get you.
1: <laughs> right, absolutely. I mean, there's no reason that fly shouldn't be able to do that, or a, you know, a giant shouldn't be able to at least reach up there and you know, smash someone.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's part of the fun. One of the things that they introduced in the Clash 2019, and especially I think specifically for these Siege panels, honestly, is Mantic made their own giant, which is a monster-sized model. Like it's it's a big damn model. Uh, naturally, I picked one up immediately when it went on sale. <laughs> so uh, much bigger it is than the a beefy dude. It's a cool model. It's got a lot of good detail on it. Yeah, he's much bigger than the GW giant of old. And since Mantic didn't have one, uh, I think they put a really awesome entry into that category for just anybody who's looking for a giant model. And the price is not to be beat at fifty bucks. No,
1: not at all. It's it's a really good price considering the other giants that are out there. I mean, unless you go. Was it Raul Partha or Reaper or whatever the hell it is now? Um, and they're not even close to the right, or the same size as this guy. This guy is about double the size of them.
0: Yeah, no, much smaller, much smaller. Uh, the only thing left about attacking the castle is you've got your gate structure. Now, the gate, they kind of define the gate as its own wall section. The gate is height 5. Instead of defense 7, it is defense 6. And its nerve is dash 17. So, you can shoot at the walls and gates, which you pointed out earlier. The only real difference between shooting at a wall and the gate is indirect weapons fire. So, siege artillery or mortars or things like that that some of the armies have access to suffer another minus one penalty if they're aiming for the gate. It's just harder to hit the damn thing. Uh, The deal is, if you manage to, of course, kill the gate, it has the best access into the castle for any type of unit. So to get to these castle walls you either have to be on a tower or have ladders or be flying but you know once you pop that gate open anybody can get into the castle and that that's kind of key to taking a castle you know you got to get that gate down that's why battering rams exist
1: <laughs> yeah we'll get into that, that yeah. was pretty cool
0: <laughs> yeah the battering ram was pretty sweet and uh, talking to Rob from over at the uh, Counter Charge podcast, he said the exact same thing. He's like, yeah, and rams are pretty key to getting those gates open. So we are going to move at this point into the siege equipment. So I think I'm going to go ahead and cover the offensive siege equipment since I was on the offensive. Uh, and, and I'll kind of discuss what those things are and what I took and why. Uh, so the first option is more troops, because who the hell doesn't need more troops? You can take one extra infantry or large infantry troop regiment or horde from your army list up to 200 points, and that includes magical artifacts. So uh, you could take, let's say if you took it, you could give uh, an elf palace guard regiment and give them the brew of strength. Uh, so they, it would cost 180 points, and then... You could give them also siege equipment on top of that. So like if you threw a siege tower on them, it would be 245. So the point is the unit itself costs less than 200 points with the magic item, uh, so it's valid, and then you can add siege equipment onto that. I did take more troops in our game. I took a regiment of um, berserkers on foot with some siege ladders. You can take a bomb wagon. Now the bomb wagon I was severely tempted to take Uh, And the only reason I honestly didn't is because I have absolutely no model whatsoever to represent this thing. But essentially, it's the Red Goblin Blaster. Uh, In fact, that's kind of the model for it. It looks exactly like a Red Goblin Blaster. So it's a Chariot Base, uh, Blast D6, Brutal, Crushing Strength 3, Height 3. So monstrous size so it can run and smash into a wall. And basically, at the end of a turn that it scores a hit in melee, it immediately is routed and removed from play, and that's when it explodes. Um, it has three attacks, and yeah, it's basically there just to smash into a wall and explode. Big shock! You have the siege artillery. So the siege artillery is blast, D6 plus 2, piercing 3, indirect fire, and reload. Uh, so it's just like kind of the mortar or the trebuchets and, and different artillery that already exists in the game, but it's really listed here for armies that don't have access to it. So like the ogres don't have a siege artillery. The humans do have a mortar. The dwarfs have uh, the bombard. But this is just here as an extra thing. And it's only 100 points, so it's cheaper than some of the army options. I did actually field a siege artillery. Uh, th- there is one note, though. You can't field it if you have anything else in your list that has indirect fire. So, I mean, it's it's really there to, replace, uh, to place itself in lists that don't have access. Well, and the
1: big thing that I think on this is that it's a range of five plus, but if you're aiming at wall sections, it gets plus one to hit and doesn't require line of sight. Yeah. So that's to me, is the biggest deal of it, to, to take down those walls.
0: Yeah, it's there to help you knock a wall down. The next section is things that you're basically sticking on unit. So you got ladders and climbing gear. Uh, when you put that on a unit, it basically just allows that unit to charge the wall. Uh, so you've got your garrison unit on the wall it lets your units charge up the wall and then fight that garrisoning unit. Because otherwise, obviously, you wouldn't be able to do that. You have the battering ram. Uh, battering ram, you put on a unit. And when it attacks a castle gate, this thing is only made for a castle gate. It has the blast D3 special rule and crushing strength 2. Or it increases your crushing strength by 2. So if it's like being pushed by ogres, it goes from CS1 to CS3. Uh, now... I I'm not 100% clear on how the battery ram works. Uh I talked to Rob from the counter charge and he basically agreed with uh what the way we ended up using it in the game which was every attack that you get basically does blast D3. So I had a horde of dudes attacking had like 30 attacks hit like 15 of them so that's 15 D3. Basically these dudes hit that gate and it went away.
1: Right. Crushing too. Like yeah. if the gate doesn't go down you're doing
0: something <laughs> wrong. And and so I don't I don't know that we used it correctly, but it's really not explicit on how that works. I mean, it just says, when attacking the gate, the unit has Blast D3. So do I just get one attack at D3? or I don't know. The way Rob played it is the way B played it. So assuming he's got it right, we had it right.
1: Um, yeah, I, I think it's right, because the unit has Blast D3. So for every hit, just right. like a, an artillery piece, mm-hmm. you get Blast D3. So I think we played it right. It's just... Find a unit that
0: has that and take it down with shooting, hopefully. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, And then the last offensive siege equipment we have is the siege tower, which is a key piece uh, that, unfortunately, I don't have enough of. (laughs) Uh, So when you equip a unit with a siege tower, it is increased to height 5. All ranged attacks coming at it from the front arc treat it as defense 6, which is pretty cool. Uh, So if you put like a horde of something in there with a weak defense, now suddenly there are six. The unit speed is reduced to five, unless it's already five or less. You lose any benefit you had from Pathfinder, Strider, Stealthy, Fly, or Nimble. Uh, You also cannot target it with Wind or Surge, so you can't like put a horde of Earth Elementals on it and have them push it faster because of Surge. You treat any obstacle as blocking terrain, so you really need an open lane on the table for this thing to go down. But the big deal about it is you can charge a wall section and your unit can go across there and fight it. Uh, And I'm pretty sure you're not hindered when this happens. Because... Right. uh, So previously in the rules, you know, if a monster of height 4 or something on a siege ladder charges something against the wall, those specific sections in the rules say it's a hindered charge. Uh, The siege tower says you can charge a garrison unit. mentions nothing about being hindered. So our assumption is... It's basically a wall charging a wall, so that whole hindered thing goes away, which makes it pretty important. You can voluntarily destroy a siege tower if you want. I don't know why you would, but one of the things about it is at the start of a turn, that a unit... Basically, if you fight a wall section and kill it, and your unit moves onto that wall section, then the siege tower gets destroyed, which I don't think makes a lot of sense to me. I think it would... Be cooler if the siege tower stayed there and then other units could basically use it like a ladder up the wall. But whatever, simplicity's sake, it goes away once you've taken the wall or once you've been defeated. Um, It makes sense if you look at it as a
1: unit upgrade. You're paying it for that unit, therefore, it can't be used again by anyone else,
0: so it goes away. Yeah, I guess. I I don't know. I just see... I mean, siege towers are pretty beefy, so whatever. But you were the defender, so you want to go through the defensive siege equipment for us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, There are basically castle upgrades and unit upgrades. And just to start out, it says each item may only be taken by a unit or applied to a castle section once. So the first one that we got is sturdy walls. It says it can be taken and applied to a wall section Obviously, sturdy wall, and it increases the defense of a single wall section by plus one to a maximum of eight. Pretty good. One extra point of defense is a big deal. Next one is the buttresses. Again, goes to a wall section, increases the waver and route values of a wall section by two. Also pretty good. Uh, we got a gate trap. As you can guess, this one goes on a gate, and then it says when a when a unit routes the gate in melee, it suffers two d six hits at piercing three. The controlling player resolves the hits against their own units. No nerve check is taken. So a bit of a last stand there to kind of kick back, but it doesn't route no nerve checks or anything. So
0: good and bad. Yeah, but I can see uh, that pretty in pretty key. Like, you know, my horde hit that gate and snapped it in one turn. 2d6 yeah. could potentially put a lot of hurt on me for you to really push me back.
1: Agreed. And with piercing three, a lot of that should get through. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, next is improvised missile weapons. So this is a unit upgrade. Uh, When when garrisoning, the unit gains a single throwing weapon, one use only. Uh, This is a ranged attack with three attacks using the range value of 4+. plus. The attack has a range of 12 inches, blast D3, and piercing 1. This attack may still be used while the unit is disordered. So that with the gate trap could be a pretty big deal if you know we need something to just do an extra wound to get that
0: route check there you go yeah to me this kind of represents like dropped rocks you know you're coming to my wall i'm dropping rocks on you agreed or boiling Uh, oil right
1: anything just kind of dump over the edge to get them so the the next thing is the tower artillery and so this is just exactly what it says goes in the tower it's a war engine it um, says that a maximum of two tower artillery may be chosen in a defending force and do not need to be unlocked by regiment, horde, or legion of regular units. And then it is just range four, two attacks, nerve, 10-12, range 24, blast D3, piercing two.
0: I think the big key there is do not need to be unlocked. Access Agreed. to war machines, not caring about what the rest of your list is is just a big deal. Yeah, and
1: it's also, again, that artillery for people that don't have it. Again, ogres don't have a lot. Uh, They got like some boomers and shooters and things, but to be able to just throw this in the tower to shoot out for only 100 points isn't terrible. Next we got is a wall trap. It's one use only. It says, instead of declaring a counter charge using their own profile, a unit garrisoning a wall section with this upgrade may declare it is activating the trap in order for... As it's order for the turn, in the following melee phase, Trap and 2d6 hits on every attacking unit that charged the wall section in the previous turn. Hits are calculated at crushing strength 2. So if you get multiple charges in on a wall, that could easily make its 30 points back. And then lastly here, we got the secret tunnel. I kind of like this one. It says multiple tunnels may be purchased, but only one may be assigned to each unit. Infantry and large infantry units are only. And so before any units are deployed, for each unit with secret tunnel, you place two markers anywhere on the table to represent the tunnel exit, and then you have to secretly write down which one is the real exit. The other one will count as a decoy, so A and B, one or two, whatever you want to do. And then a unit that is given this secret tunnel is then held back in reserve. Um, so the way that that works is at the start of the defending player's turn two, roll a d6 for each unit held in reserve. Four plus that unit has successfully come onto the board, and it comes into the comes in is placed on the mark in base contact with the marker of the token that is the real tunnel. You know, air quotes there. That great radio, air quotes, real tunnel. Uh, basically, in the turn that they come up, uh, may be given no further orders and may not be targeted by surge. Uh, And then the other marker is just removed. The decoy one is removed. So that's pretty good. They come up, can be facing any direction, and then just, that's it, though. I mean, they're kind of hanging out there. But in subsequent turns, you get to roll again if it didn't come up. So every turn that they don't come up, the difficulty is is going down by one. So in turn three, you need a three-plus. Turn four, you need a two-plus. You're not gonna get any better than that, though. A roll of one always fails, and for, it says it cannot be re-rolled. If you get anything that lets you have re-rolls, the other thing is if a enemy unit is covering the tunnel exit marker when the unit emerges, uh, consider this as a front charge from the emerging unit and place the unit in base contact with the enemy unit's front. That can be a big deal if your attacker wants to leave a unit there just to to tie you up. If they want to guess which token is, that way you can't be running around in their in their backfield. It says if there is no room to place a unit emerging from the tunnel, it must stay in reserve and roll again next turn. If the unit is unable to emerge from the tunnel before the game ends, it is considered routed. Uh, when an enemy unit moves into base contact with the tunnel exit marker, its controlling player may roll a dice. On a 4+, plus, the unit is able to tell whether the tunnel exit is real or or the decoy remove the decoy marker immediately if the tunnel if the real tunnel is revealed the markers do not affect movement or line of sight in any way so a lot going on there um it is pretty much a whole page just dedicated to secret tunnel but pretty cool for 40 points uh you get to hold someone in reserve um i did it with my brock riders they have good movement so it, it I, I like it i think it's pretty cool what do you think
0: yeah absolutely and i mean it really plays that whole uh I don't know, I guess I'm trying to think of what the hell the word is for like a place for troops to come out of a castle and help defend the gate there's a, a there's a very specific word for it, yeah um, secret tunnel well <laughs> <a little> secret <laughs> tunnel uh well, yeah I know what you're talking about, but I don't yeah. Yeah, I don't know about it. what the hell you're, what I it's called can't, I can't remember what it's called oh well anyway, yeah, very flavorful uh it, especially God if you bought two of them. You know, talk about really putting the attacker on the... Not necessarily the back foot, but having to really worry about things coming up in their back field. So it would definitely force the attacker to play significantly more, I think, cagey as far as where he's putting his units uh, and, and kind of what he's thinking about doing, you know? Right, and you got to be careful of, of what
1: you actually give it to as well because you're not going to be able to really do anything until turn three. And so if you are got it on a slow, lumbering unit it may not see anything if if everything just runs past you.
0: Right. So looking at the siege scenario itself, uh, when you play a siege game, there are three objectives. So the attacker has three different objectives. The defender has three different objectives. And what you do is you each secretly pick one of those objectives. Now to win a siege game, it says you have to complete your objective and prevent your opponent from completing theirs. If both or neither of you completes your objective, the game's a draw. So the attacker options are to capture. Uh, To successfully complete the objective, you must have more unit strength inside the castle courtyard or garrisoning wall sections than the defender does. Destroy. You must successfully uh, destroy at least two wall sections. Kill all of the defenders. Uh, You add up the total points value of units routed on both sides, including siege options and upgrades, etc. And the scenario is successfully completed if you have routed at least 10% of the agreed points limit more than the defender has castle sections in this particular case are worth a hundred points each plus the cost of any upgrades to them and the gates worth another 80 points. So, uh, you know, it, for us, that would have been, I would have had to kill what an extra 200 points over whatever you did. Right. So the defender objectives, you want to cover those real quick?
1: Yeah. The first one is breakout. Um, so to complete this objective, defender must end the game with units with more combined unit strength in the attacker's half of the table, then the attacker has garrisoning walls or occupying the courtyard. Um, it says or the footprint where the any routed walls once were. So get on their half while keeping them from getting in the castle. Two is supply lines. Um, this one gets markers like a like little table markers. So it says after deployment, place one objective marker in the exact center of the courtyard, and then each player, starting with the attacker takes turns to place two more objective markers on the table no more than six inches away from the center line and at least 12 inches from any other objective marker. The objective marker in the courtyards worth two points, whilst the other two are worth one point each. To successfully complete this objective, the defender must control objective markers with a combined worth of at least three points at the end of the game. And then the last one is kill the attackers, which is the same as kill the defenders. Um, so you have to add up all the victory points, and then you need to have routed at least ten percent more than the attacker, so pretty straightforward on all of the
0: objectives very much so. I like it. they're simple they're they're clear and concise honestly about what they got, but they're kind of interesting so which you know let me look at the attacker objectives here now, I think the easiest one quite frankly, would be to destroy to kill two wall sections. I think I probably could have done that. However, this is a siege, damn it! And I wanted to capture that castle. So for our game, I chose capture. Uh, I
1: agree. You can just, it's definitely build for destroy as well. I mean, you take enough war machines, war engines, you can knock down those walls pretty quick. Yeah.
0: Now, what do you uh, think would be the easiest
1: for you? Honestly, I think supply lines would probably be the easiest. I mean, because you only got to get three, and as long as you hold the courtyard, you're at least got two there, and so you just got to go out and get one more out of four other objectives. So I think Supply Lines would be the easiest. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. Now, I think the hardest uh, ones, I think the hardest ones, for me at least, was Capture. And I think the hardest for you would be Breakout. Reading Breakout, you've got to really build a list that's designed to retreat from your castle, basically, and run through the attacker as they're coming towards it. So, Yeah, while still slowing you down from getting into the courtyard right. as well. Yeah, it definitely strikes me as the harder of the two choices, or three choices yeah. there. So we did get a game in this pretty quickly after it came out, frankly. And then, you know, we waited forever to really get around to talking about it because I wanted to, I had my YouTube videos kind of ready to go and that one had to be put in order. So we, we got in a game. I ended up as the attacker. Ryan was the defender. Again, we said go to the YouTube video, but we are going to talk about this, so I'll go over mine. I had a horde. Uh, this was dwarfs on dwarfs, as it turns out. I had a horde of bull workers with a battering ram, two regiments of ironclad warriors with ladders, I had a horde of allied ogres, also with ladders. I took three cannons, a dwarf king, a dwarf smith, a flame priest, which is a new character out of the Clash 2019 book. It's basically a, it's another caster for the dwarves who has fireball. A greater earth elemental, which I guarantee I'm going to call a giant as we talk about this because I used a giant as kind of a proxy. I had a horde of shield breakers with a siege tower because when I got there, I really wanted them to kill whatever was on that wall. A horde of crossbows for some shooting support and then for my siege equipment uh, I already said you know I took ladders on the ironclads and the ogres but then uh, and it's tower and then I also took an extra regiment of berserkers with ladders and I took one siege artillery so what did you have
1: I had a horde of bull workers with the brew of strength uh, a regiment of iron watch rifles regiment of rangers with the heart seeking chant a horde of Earth Elementals with the Pipes of Terror, a regiment of Brock Riders with the Brew of Haste, a two cannons, two organ guns, a Berserker Lord on Brock, and a Steel Behemoth.
0: So, you want to go ahead and talk setup on this? Because I think you made better notes than I did as far as kind of what was set up where. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, at least for my setup, on the inside of the castle, uh,
1: I put the bull workers in uh just right in front of the gate, just waiting for him to come through. And then right above them on the gate wall, I put the Iron Watch rifles so they'd have good line of sight to everything. And then I put the uh Berserker Lord on Brock in the, the courtyard as well, just for some support. Um but that's that's it. That's all I put in the actual castle itself. The Brock Riders, uh they had the secret tunnel so they started off in reserve. And then on the right flank, I put the Rangers, the Earth of Elementals, and the Steel Behemoth, as well as a cannon. And then on the left flank, uh, it was just the cannon that was over there. I was just just hoping uh, that—you like, didn't really have much over there, so I was just hoping that the cannon could slow you down. And then the, the two organ guns, one went into each one of the towers.
0: Yep, you betcha. So turn one—well, uh, turn one and two, frankly, were both pretty unexciting— uh, I spent my turns basically moving straight forward. So turn one, I moved forward as far as I could. Uh, I did take some shots with cannons and things. I did some wounds to an organ gun. Didn't route it. Uh, you, however, had a nice cannon shot on my siege tower doing 12 wounds.
1: Yeah, the first turn went really well. Uh, the, the second turn, I did a few more wounds, but not nearly as good. I think I only did maybe like three or four more wounds to it. Uh, but my Brox did show up. I got the four plus, so they came up on turn two. So that was a pretty big deal.
0: Was it turn two or was it turn three? That no. was turn two. Okay. I couldn't remember. Uh, so yeah, you, yeah, like you said, your first turn key got half the wounds on the tower. You killed my cannon that was hiding in a forest. My turn two, again, I moved everything forward. I did manage to kill that organ gun that I had shot in turn one, though. Turn three, I uh, killed one of your cannons. The one, I think, over on the far right. Battery, That's this is the turn that the bull worker hordes began their slap fight. So the bulwarker horde with the battering ram got to the gate, blew it apart in like half a second. Yeah, the, it was ridiculous. Yeah, we, and, and that's when we came to question. <laughs> We're like, does that work right? <laughs> but yeah, uh, the siege tower who managed to survive the second round <sighs> failed its charge <laughs> because it was just shy of the distance to make the uh, to close in on you. So that was a real disappointment to me. Yeah, uh, that
1: was a big deal. That. That was a game changer, I think, because of, of what happened on my turn with that siege tower.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then the you know, like you said, the tunnlers had come up, which were the preserved Brock riders. I mean, badgers coming out of the ground made a lot of sense, actually. Uh, and so, they were
1: they were lined up just to go right into the you know rear charge. Yep, finished
0: it off. Yeah, turn three killed the siege tower. Uh, mm-hmm. You double charged my giant. What my giant? My giant greater earth elemental. You double charged it with your rangers and your horde of earth elementals, but he managed to hold like a beast. Yeah, it didn't go so well. I mean, yeah, I, that side went my way for a minute. <laughs> and it was the elementals that had the flank
1: charge too. So I I, you just, that I was, was a, like 36 attacks. And hmm. I don't, I think I only did like three or four wounds of the guy.
0: Yeah. You really boned the roll on that one. Yeah. Uh, so my turn for my giant or greater earth elemental kills your rangers turn to face your horde of earth elementals my ogres on that left side killed the cannon then moved towards your castle wall with their ladders uh the bulwarkers continued to slap fight (laughs) and then my warriors on my right side got to your cannon uh the turn before and then they basically moved into the wall well one of them did
1: yeah uh my lord just went up to be the right side wall waiting for those ogres to come up to just try and slow you down
0: was it turn four that i killed the brock riders i think it was because you killed me, you killed the tower on three, right?
1: Yeah, three. I came in the tower before yeah. you. Uh, everything, I all had. your shooting, yeah, into yeah. the the Brock Riders and ended up taking them off.
0: Yeah, the two cannons, the siege artillery, and the horde of crosses were like, kill it, bring them down right now. They, because you were once you killed that tower, you were looking at the rear of my bulwarker horde, uh, and big shield ain't going to do me any good back there. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, those have to go away right now. Yeah, uh, and, and they did. My-
1: my turn four the big thing of mine is i got some really good dice and i routed both your berserker regiment and your greater earth elemental
0: yeah and that's where that flank fell apart yeah
1: and so that that gave me a lot of breathing room there
0: yeah and then five my ogres made it to the wall but you routed them off the other side the warriors got up and kind of into the castle at that point and then right uh, so at the end of turn six, I had some warriors in the castle fighting your Brock lord, and then I had the other warriors kind of up on the wall, I think still at that point, yeah, well, my rifles uh went down into the
1: courtyard, and yeah, you kind of got, retreated got in, in the way of your warriors to protect the the rear of the bull workers. yeah,
0: which is the smart move. you had to protect yeah. your own fellows right, and then we did roll for a turn seven which as has happened so many times in kings of war turn seven being clutch i did kill the brock lord but that was it the rifles held there so i had the two units of warriors in the castle uh but the real the real clutch kill here is ryan's Bulwarker horde finally broke my bull horde uh and that was the actual points to give you the win by scenario for the uh destroy the attackers
1: <laughs> agree and I, I think the big thing there was the brew strength the crushing strength one just won out over time against you having to just trying to go against my big shield with no crushing strength.
0: Agreed, agreed. So it was a win for the dwarves, uh, Ryan's dwarves specifically, the ones who castled Castly Dwarves. <laughs> Hooray. Hooray. <laughs> Castle Dwarves. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I really enjoyed the, the game overall. I like the rules. They seemed. Uh, I mean, when you read them, there's like, you know, seven or eight pages total. You know, as you, when you first stream, you're like, well, this seems kind of simple, but I think it's got. It's got what you need there to get the siege done and keep it clean and not too complicated. One of the things I really enjoyed about the old Warhammer days was the General's Compendium had all these amazing special rules for castles and sieges, but to be fair, it would bog the game down significantly and make it really long. So these rules are nice and clean. They're concise. You get through a game quickly. You still get that nice siege feel. Um, What do you think overall?
1: Uh, Overall, I thought it was good, and it i don't know about you but it definitely gave me that kind of old school feeling like just we hadn't done this in what 10 15 years and so just to to do it again it was just a a warm fuzzy feeling you know to get get the castle out get your siege ladders a siege tower and just do an old school siege it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed it
0: as did i i think the uh the only disappointing thing is i really want a second siege tower but i just don't own one (laughs)
1: Yeah, getting to that, um, in the book, there's some siege uh, models, terrain, whatever you want to call it, and you can actually get those at ironheartartisans.com. That's where, as far as I can tell, the ones that they are selling are the ones that Mantic actually used in the book. Yeah, are they those for sale, really yeah, are for sale at this point? Yeah, they are actually for sale at this point. Yeah.
0: I know when we, uh, before we sat down to play it, I had asked that, and someone said they were going to be for sale. But they, they weren't at the time. And yeah, those models that are in that book look ace. The battering rams are very cool. The siege towers are big and beefy and nice looking. So definitely check out Ironheart Artisans if that's indeed where they're at. Yeah, um, is, quality it, looking models. MDF. Right. And you can they have
1: two options. So if you, if you want the, the super spectacular stuff with all the wood grain burned into it, it's a little bit more expensive. But you can they do have a cheaper option where it's just flat. Like there's no wood grain burned into it. So if you're on a budget you don't really care about all the little wood grain they do have a cheaper option for you which is really cool i think
0: i know i'm gonna slow us down here but i'm gonna pull this up real quick so we can get a price on it uh you want the siege tower i can tell you that right now kings of war
1: uh the siege tower is 45 dollars without the wood grain and 65 with it well, look at you you're already on there. yeah i already got it pulled up i was prepared man nice uh the covered battering ram uh, it's $14 or $20, and then they got some ladders as well. Let me go back to that page. Uh, ladders are either $4 or $5, and then they got an uncovered battering ram uh, for either 5 or 8 Yeah, and you can also do, like, full castles or just castle sections and yeah, I damaged say, walls.
0: And, they've got nice forts in there and the damaged wall like, sections.
1: I'm like, there is a giant castle in there, but it's... so you gotta be committed for that one but it is nice looking I mean props to them it is good looking castle
0: yeah so yeah definitely check those guys out have a good look at it yeah the rules are quality we really enjoyed ourselves looking forward to getting another game of it in at some point gonna have to get me a second siege tower Uh, I think I had to at one point but in, in my old house, I think the basement flooded and ruined one of them like it got all moldy and I had to pitch it so and these are ones that I built myself years ago. but definitely definitely was fun. If you guys are looking forward to uh, looking forward or looking for a set of rules to play an old style siege castle game in, I uh, highly recommend the Clash of Kings 2019 book for that. Very good. Yeah, in a, I know we're not specifically
1: covering the entire Clash of Kings book, but just real quick, that's a good book. I mean like they have like all basically all the FAQs errata's changes that they've made over the years since the was it second edition came out is in this book. So really you only need the main book and this book now to play the game for the main armies. So I just kudos to them. It's a good quality book. Has everything you're going to need other than just the main stuff, the main book. So if you play Kings of War and you're not sure about getting it i would recommend getting it because it and it's got new stuff in it as well it's it's a good
0: book yeah, and it's only like what 25 bucks yeah i think so yeah. something clutch book cheap. clutch book yeah. i bought the i bought the pdf from mantic digital Then yeah I'm, a, I'm an old school guy i, I still like paper so i, I got the actual. i like the paper books but there was no way i was going to be able to get it before like as quickly as i wanted it so <laughs>
1: Oh, you had Uh, the Gamer ADD one now.
0: Well, I think specifically at the time, we were, you know, we had talked about the Siege game, and I was like, I need the rules. And I I knew if I ordered one, it would be probably two or three weeks until I got it. And so I was like, you know what, I'll just buy it on the PDF. (laughs) That's
1: true. I mean, we were pretty excited. Like, as soon as we heard the Siege was in it, we're like, dust off the castle, we're doing it. Like, as soon as it hits, (laughs) we're playing this game. 100%. And, And by God, you went and got that digital copy and we played it before I had my copy of my book
0: yeah I was I was on it on it so yeah that's it uh I I believe this gets a two thumbs up from both of us yeah absolutely so all right guys thanks a lot for listening to the show thank you Ryan for joining me again yeah good to be back yeah and uh looking to oh what is it it's the end of January recording this this will be the first episode out in February so in like four days I have to edit this woohoo <laughs> um yeah, not sure what the rest of February is going to look like. need to get a battle report in for something for the YouTube channel and everything. So check us out on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all that good stuff. Send us emails if you'd like, uh, thehobbyheroes at gmail.com. And just, you know, remember to keep up with us. So thanks a lot for listening, guys. Have a good one. Take care, guys.